1: Logic and reason are essentially gone in the entire world. All you have to do to know that is to read or listen to what passes for punditry and intellectual literature these days. Everything is based on emotion rather than logic. That explains why there are 37 genders today rather than the two genders you've understood all your life. It's really not too late to restore the use of logic and right reason in society, but the long road to restoration has to begin with our kids. That's what we'll discuss in this episode.
0: Have you heard? A brand new translation of the Holy Bible is available for Catholics. Introducing the English Standard Version Catholic Edition, the most beautiful and readable Catholic translation of the Bible. If you've ever had difficulty reading the Bible or are looking for the perfect gift this holiday season, this is the Bible for you. The new translation includes changes to nearly 60,000 words from the Revised Standard Version and is the best combination of a literal translation written in smooth and readable English. Available in bonded leather, hardcover, or softcover, the ESV Catholic Edition is a Bible you will love and a translation you can trust. To learn more about the ESV Catholic Edition or to purchase your copy, visit catholicbible.org. Again, that's www.catholicbible.org.
1: Before I get started on this week's topic, I want to briefly mention two things. First, the first prize winner of our drawing is Anissa Wilkinson from Mississippi. Congratulations, Anissa! The other thing I want to mention is about something I just learned from a friend of mine, Joseph Silver. Joseph is a young man who recently found God calling him to a vocation as a monk at Clear Creek Abbey. Clear Creek is a Benedictine abbey in the Ozark Mountains of Oklahoma. I've been there many times for a treat and with my friend Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. It's very traditional and true to the rule of St. Benedict. When you go to Clear Creek, you feel like you've gone back a thousand years in time. There's no radio, no television, no internet. It's a great place. Joseph is all set up to begin his novitiate, but there's one problem and he needs your help. Before he's able to enter, Father Abbott requires him to pay off his student loans, and we all know what those loans are like. Joseph has been visiting parish churches all over the place to speak after Sunday Mass in order to ask his fellow Catholics for help. He's been getting some good help from parishioners, but visiting parishes to pay off his debt could take years. I think the Six Pack family can help Joseph. To do that is easy. There seems to be a group I'd never heard of called the Laborat Society. It's dedicated to helping young men and women pay off loans so that they can be free to pursue their vocation. Since I'd never heard of the Labore Society, I contacted a friend of mine, who's the Father Abbott of Clear Creek, to verify that it's okay. Well, it's most certainly okay. If you want to help Joseph to be able to pursue his vocation, visit the link for it in my show notes today. I'll also put a link to Clear Creek Abbey in my show notes. Okay, let's get to the topic at hand. The main reason that logic and reason are dead in modern society is because schools, both Catholic and public, have spent decades dumbing down students. Schools aren't educational centers anymore, they're indoctrination centers for Marxist ideologies. And this is true in our elementary, secondary, and post-secondary schools. It began in colleges and universities in the 60s and worked its way down into the elementary and secondary schools from there as the universities produced teachers. In fact, if you've been educated anytime and anywhere during the last 50 years, you've probably been given a dumbed-down education yourself. In order to promote Marxism, They have to dumb down students, because Marxist ideologies won't stand up to the light of logic and reason. The good news is that you can help your kids and grandkids learn to use logic and reason. Along the way, you can help yourself to advance in logic and reason, too. We have to begin by speaking to all you dads. The very first thing to be addressed is becoming a real man, if you're not one already. To be perfectly honest, I don't know too many real men. Oh, I know lots of guys who can be macho and sound rough, but those aren't real men. They're very insecure in their manhood, and that insecurity comes out as machismo. On the opposite end of the spectrum are guys who've pretty much been emasculated by the radical feminist agenda that's been so prevalent for decades. They appear oh so sensitive and just a little bit girly. Those certainly aren't real men. You know the sort. The guy who's always walked all over by other people who don't respect him, and he seems to think he's still a ten-year-old because he wears short pants in public. A real man is the sort of guy who always puts his priority on his family. He understands that it's his responsibility to be the provider and protector of his family, and that his wife has no role whatsoever in that responsibility. He understands that his family always comes first, second only to his relationship with God Almighty. He sees his wife for the great gift of God that she is. He places her on a pedestal, so to speak. He knows and understands that she's the glue that holds the family together because she has that all-important maternal instinct given to her by God for that purpose. He recognizes that her maternal instinct makes her perfectly suited for taking care of her hearth and home, which includes caring for the children God has blessed him with. He treats his wife with the care, respect, and love that a jeweler gives to a fine diamond, or an antique collector shows his most prized acquisition. He treats her with the respect and tenderness otherwise reserved for his mother. Above all, he understands that if he's to have a solid family, he has to be the spiritual leader of the family. He takes that responsibility seriously. He's the one who teaches the children how to pray. He's the one who sets the standards and boundaries for how the family dresses for Mass and in public. He's the one who makes sure every member of his family has access to the things they need to grow in holiness and be good Catholic Christians. Once a man becomes a real man, he can focus on how to be a proper father. Contrary to popular belief, there is a manual of instruction on how to rear your children. You may not be aware of the manual, because Catholics are notorious for ignoring it, but the Bible is the best and only manual for being a good dad. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Most people wrongly interpret this as meaning you shouldn't do things to make your kids angry. That couldn't be farther from the truth. It's true that you shouldn't provoke them to anger, but the reason and focus is on the last part of that sentence. Children not only need boundaries, but they actually want them. Paul understood that. Your kids also want to learn from you. Teach your children to be good Catholics. Teach them to understand the difference between right and wrong, to know what is sin and what's morally acceptable. Not only should you actively teach them, but you have to teach them through your example as well. And when they violate the boundaries you've set, punish them. Kids may complain about being punished, but they understand that punishment tells them they're loved. When the kid's are too big to be spanked, perhaps when they're in middle school, punish them by depriving them of things. But as long as they're young, spank them. You don't believe in spanking? That's what bottoms are for. Spanking is the preferred mode of punishment, but it's not always necessary, especially when Dad's not around and Mom has to be the bad guy. I can only remember my mother spanking me a few times in my life. She had that mom look, know what I mean? My mother could do more with her mom look than she ever could with a spanking. Many is the time I'd get the mom look and recall wondering where Dad and his belt were. I still cringe at the memory. Another part of being a real man has to do with the proper and ancient Catholic understanding of lived matrimony. But because this episode focuses on children, we'll save the husband and wife thing for another time. So now that you know that your dads have become real men, it's time to talk about the ways you can counter ideologies your kids are being taught at school, and teach them to use their God-given logic and right reason. First of all, they're subject to spout some of the wrongful garbage they learn at school when they come home. Don't let that happen unchallenged. You may have bought into the notion that the kids, or anyone else for that matter, are allowed to have their own opinions. That's true, as long as those opinions comport to that which is either morally right or morally neutral. None of us has the right to hold opinions that contradict moral norms, and moral norms are dictated by God, not society. Society's morality moves with the winds of political correctness, but God's morality never moves. As Paul wrote in Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today, and forever. So correct your children's opinions when they contradict morality. Explain why what they're saying is wrong, then have the backbone to forbid those opinions to be voiced in your home. That removes an occasion of sin. An example would be something I mentioned at the beginning. If your kids say something ridiculous, such as that there are 37 genders, confront it with reality. To say there are 37 genders is to violate moral norms. What's more, it implies that God is stupid. After all, he plainly declared that he made two genders when the Bible says in Genesis, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. So confront them. Remember my motto. Comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. The very first thing to go in the schools when Marxist ideology began being taught was any exposure to everything that contributed to Western culture. Not only did they do away with the classics of literature and music, but the history being taught in school became revisionist. A common history today is that our nation's founding fathers were evil men, instead of men who, quote, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honors, end quote, for a new nation, the great country we live in. Children can't begin to learn logic and right reason unless they're exposed to true history and classical literature and music and they're called classics because they continue to endure in the hearts and minds of people throughout the centuries, and because they provoke thought. Obviously, we can't expose our children to classics in literature on the level of Aristotle or Plato, but there are a lot of books that are children's classics that have contributed immensely to Western civilization. So make your kids put down their smartphones and iPads, which I don't think they should have anyway, but that's another discussion, and make them read age-appropriate classical literature. When I was a kid in school, Marxist ideology was only being taught in universities, so I was fortunate enough to have lots of exposure to the classics through my teachers and my mother. Age-appropriate literature for me were things like Dumas' The Three Musketeers, Baroness Orksey's The Scarlet Pimpernel, Shelley's Frankenstein, Stoker's Dracula, and Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I absolutely love to read anything by Mark Twain. By the way, did you realize that Twain's books, particularly The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, are now banned from public school libraries. I was never a fan of poetry, but I was exposed to the likes of Lord Byron as well. When I was in high school, I learned to love Shakespeare by attending plays and watching films of his plays acted out. Expose your kids to these things. Make them take an uninterrupted hour each day to read classics like these. They may never develop an appetite for classical literature, but at least they'll get some good exposure. And you can believe me when I tell you that the day will come when they'll thank you for it. I really didn't want to read books at all when I was a kid. It was my mother who insisted that I read. Thanks to mom, I was exposed to many, many classics, and that's helped me as an adult in too many ways to mention here classical music is a different critter. Because this rap stuff kids listen to today, I think they may call it hip-hop, is the ultimate extension of affirmative action, which is a Marxist ideology anyway. You don't have to be able to play a musical instrument, carry a note to sing, or do anything that adheres to the principles of musical composition. You only have to speak in a cadence and make noises that rhyme, most of the time. In other words, anyone can be a rap star regardless of a complete lack of talent or skill set. Thanks to everything in popular music since the 50s, kids have to have everything in their music done electronically. They completely reject traditional musical instruments such as the woodwinds or stringed instruments that are anything other than a guitar so it would be almost impossible to get your kids to listen to classical composers such as Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, or Wagner. Today's kids have never even heard of these composers, much less realize that they're missing tremendous exposure to music that actually adds beauty to the world and inspires thought. I was very deeply exposed to these composers because of a teacher I had in high school. I learned to love the music. I was still a fan of rock and roll and never listened to the classics regularly, but I've listened to them with occasional frequency since my first exposure. I still do. Actually, there's a way to get your kids to listen to the classical composers and enjoy them. Over the last 50 years, there have been composers and musicians who have an appreciation for both the classical works and electronic instrumentation. They've taken such classics as Beethoven's Fifth Symphony and Rimsky-Korsakov's Flight of the Bumblebee and recorded them with the use of electronic instrumentation, such as the synthesizer and guitars. Many of these artists and their works have been on the popular music charts over the years. I've found that exposing kids, and oftentimes adults, to these recorded works caused them to gain an appreciation for the classical composers. I can actually show you better than I can tell you by playing a few of these recordings so you can be the judge. The first selection I want to play for you was actually a chartbuster way back in nineteen seventy six when hard rock was all the rage. Walter Murphy took Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, applied the electronic instrumentation, and retitled it as a fifth of Beethoven. Here it is. <laughs> This next one is called Switched On Symphony by the Regency Philharmonic Orchestra. It's simply an electronic version of Flight of the Bumblebee and a medley of other classical music. Listen. version of that same piece is Walter Murphy's much shorter arrangement that he calls Flight 76. I think you'll like it. Finally we have another from the Regency Philharmonic Orchestra called Switched on Mozart 3. It's actually Mozart's Serenade from Sonata number 13. Here it is. In all of these cuts I've played for you, there is the beauty of the original classical composers and the electronic instrumentation that so appeals to the modern listener. You can use music such as this to expose your kids and grandkids to classical composers. Why is this important? Well, the use of logic and reason only comes from thought, which is something modern people have been taught to disdain the practice and love of thought can only be inspired, learned, and practiced by an exposure to the classics of music and literature that have contributed to the development and greatness of Western civilization. I sincerely hope that you'll take my advice in exposing your kids to these classical greats for their own benefit and the restoration of our culture and society. I think you'll find this will help you, too. Do you have an
0: apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a Holy Orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows, and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the US and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women, ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness relative to other podcasts and online advertising our rates are extremely cost effective and inexpensive you can advertise in each show's show notes in the recorded episode itself our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode all of these media together or in any combination so contact us today by filling out the form on the sponsor kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email joe six-pack the every catholic guy directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's Sixpack's top five Catholic Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five.
1: Hats off to LifeSite News. When should a people overthrow its government? The Declaration of Independence says whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. Where is the line? Is Civil War inevitable, as 71% of American people believe? Uh. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Catholic Catholic News Pick Pick Number 4
1: Hats off to LifeSite News. One of our heroes, Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, has taken a strong stand on the possibility of a coronavirus vaccine containing fetal cell lines of aborted babies. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Catholic Catholic News Pick pick Number
1: number 3 Hats off to National Catholic Register. Despite Pope Francis' warnings, the leaders of the church in Germany have refused to back down on their promotion of intercommunion or to change the course of their much-criticized synodal path. We're watching you. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Catholic Catholic News Pick pick Number number 2
1: Hats Off to Stripes President Donald Trump has fired his biggest broadside yet this week against a federal bureaucracy he has moved to remake with an executive order that would remove job security from an estimated tens of thousands of civil servants. That's awesome, dude! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic
0: Catholic News Pick pick Number
1: number 1 Hats off to The Daily Signal Voters in California rejected an attempt to reinstate racial preferences for government and public institutions. Back in 1996, Californians voted to abolish affirmative action. Amazing! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. In the days of the Dutch masters of art, there was a noted painter who'd wasted his youth in wickedness and depravity. Coming to his senses later in life, he bitterly regretted his sins and resolved to make up for them. One of the painter's best-known works depicted the 13th station of the cross, the taking down of our Lord from the cross. Prominent in the painting was the man who pulled the nails from our Savior's sacred flesh. The person painted into that role was the painter himself. When asked why he used himself as the model for that man, with considerable feeling he replied, God knows I've driven innumerable cruel nails into my Lord, crucifying him over and over with my sins. Don't you think it's about time for me to tenderly and lovingly pull out a few of those hard nails? This is a man who understood the value of confession and penance, both of which are the topic of this Catholic boot camp. We've already looked at the first three elements necessary to make a good confession, examination of conscience, contrition, and firm purpose of amendment. Now let's continue with the fourth element, confession of our sins to a priest. Confession is the actual telling of our sins to a priest. This is the only way he can absolve our sins because he has no way of knowing what to absolve without first hearing them. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the confession (or disclosure) of sins, even from a simply human point of view, frees us and facilitates our reconciliation with others. Through such an admission, man looks squarely at the sins he's guilty of, takes responsibility for them, and thereby opens himself again to God and the communion of the church in order to make a new future possible. When I'm teaching non-Catholics interested in joining the Church, this is ordinarily where I begin to teach them the proper form and sequence for the actual act of confessing in the confessional. But we lack the time here, and I don't want to insult you who have gone to confession since childhood, even if irregularly. Believe me, there are plenty of sources around to help you learn this, and your confessor would be most happy to help you learn the proper way to go to confession. For those of you who want it, I give the proper sequence in full in my book, Secrets of the Catholic Faith. We must confess every mortal sin when we go to confession. Again, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, without being strictly necessary, confession of everyday faults, venial sins, is nevertheless strongly recommended by the Church. Indeed, the regular confession of our sins helps us to form our conscience, fight against evil tendencies, let ourselves be healed by Christ, and progress in the life of the Spirit. The Church requires us to go to confession at least once a year, during the Easter time. She suggests that we go at least once a month, but tells us the best thing for the benefit of our soul is to go every week even if the matter for our confessions consists only of venial sins. We receive a penance to make at least some satisfaction for our sins, thus decreasing the punishment we deserve for those sins. The sacrament of penance always removes all the eternal punishment in hell that's deserved by mortal sin, but it doesn't necessarily remove all the temporal punishment. The debt of temporal punishment can only be satisfied in purgatory or on earth. Since there is no merit in purgatory, and since purgatory isn't a very pleasant place, we're far and away better off to satisfy the debt we owe God in this life. The means of satisfying this debt, which also contributes to our own sanctification, are voluntary acts of penance, devout participation in the Mass, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, earning indulgences, performing the spiritual and temporal works of mercy, and patiently accepting the trials and sufferings God chooses to permit in our lives. Since we mentioned indulgences, let's talk about them for a moment, especially since so few people even know what they are anymore. An indulgence is the remission of the whole or part of the temporal punishment due to forgiven sin, granted by the Pope and the bishops out of the Church's spiritual treasury, which is made up of the infinite redemptive merits of Jesus Christ and the superabundant merits of the saints. It's more than a mere remission of conical words of penance because it really remits whole or part of the punishment due to the sinner by God. Remember Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16:18 and the apostles in Matthew 18:18 18, 18, that they have the power of binding and loosing. The divine power of the church to grant indulgences can be better understood if we compare it with the state's power to pardon all or part of a convicted felon's punishments inflicted by the courts. The president, in federal cases, and the governor, in state cases, has the right to grant a commutation of any part or the whole of a felon's sentence. Moreover, those same two offices, by the administration of enacted law, give prisoners time off their sentences for good behavior. The state can grant a convicted felon a pardon or commutation, even if he isn't sorry for his crime. The church, on the other hand, never remits temporal punishment unless the sinner shows sorrow. Indulgences are granted in two forms, plenary and partial. A plenary indulgence remits all the punishment due to forgiven sin. A partial indulgence remits some portion of the punishment due to forgiven sin. And although we should be interested in gaining indulgences for ourselves, because purgatory ain't no fun, we can also gain them for the poor souls in purgatory, who know purgatory ain't no fun. We gain indulgences by being in a state of grace, have the desire to gain the indulgence, and perform the good acts required by the church. For a plenary indulgence, these church-required acts include making a good confession and communion within a reasonable time prior to or after the indulgence act. Now that we've covered sufficiently, but in no means deeply, the sacrament of penance, I hope you'll more frequently avail yourself of its benefits. Regarding indulgences, I also hope you begin to seek them out for yourself and your loved ones who've gone ahead of you to the next life. Next week we'll be looking at the anointing of the sick in the Catholic Boot Camp.
0: What did Billy D. Williams The celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross. Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's Biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy V. Williams. How Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course. How, in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity. How the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews. And much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo.
1: Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is by St. Anthony of Padua. St. Anthony wrote, Earthly riches are like the reed. Its roots are sunk in the swamp, and its exterior is fair to behold, but inside it is hollow. If a man leans on such a reed, it will snap off and pierce his soul. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. St. Marina who lived in the third century, was the daughter of a pagan priest who disowned her when she became a Christian. The governor of Antioch made advances to her, and when she rejected him, he denounced her in his own court. There she told him she'd forever be faithful to Jesus Christ. The enraged governor exclaimed, how stupid to worship a man as if he were a god above all a man who came to such a disgraceful end. Why do you always bring up his crucifixion and never speak of his resurrection, answered Marina? His death shows that he was a man, yes, but his resurrection shows him to indeed be a god. The governor condemned her to the stake. When the flames left her unharmed, she was beheaded. The resurrection is the great proof that Jesus is God. As a man, he died on the cross, but as God, he could rise from the dead. Our whole faith rests on the divinity of Jesus. For this truth, St. Marina rejected the honors of the world and laid down her life for Christ, because she knew that, like him, she'd rise again because of her faith in his glorious resurrection. Every Catholic needs to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, because this show will help you to learn to navigate through these tumultuous times, as well as learn, understand, and live our Catholic faith better. You can help other Catholics find the Cantankerous Catholic much easier by leaving a review of this show at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show the cantankerous Catholic more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been the
0: Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.